everybody. Welcome back to the Seats to Streets podcast. I am J.R. Horn, your host, and that lovely guy over there is still Brian Gorman, co-host here, and we are glad you are with us for the next 20 minutes as we dive into a new series on what it looks like to be a healthy church. So, Brian, when you and I have looked at healthy churches, we've we've kind of find out that there's five questions a healthy church can't answer. And, and yeah. Oftentimes when we look at healthy churches that some of these, some of these answers, sorry, some of these questions are, are difficult to answer unless they take the time to write down, document, discover what's going on. And I think some of the stuff we're going to talk about in the next series is going to be that way. Um, yeah. I love that you say it's the five questions they can answer. And what I, what I, right. There's the five questions you should be able to answer, but they right. to say, no, in a healthy church, like your staff, your right. key leaders, if you ask this question, they can answer that question. Um, yeah. Like the kind of thing that you can drill them on and they go, yep, yep, I know that one. And I know what I, you mean by, yeah. And even ideally some of the, some of the high capacity volunteers should be able to rattle off some of these, some of these, some of these answers. Now, some of them, maybe not so much, um, but the majority of them, especially one today, this ought to be something that you'll know you are taking massive strides toward being, being a healthy church, even if you're a healthy church right now, growing in your health is when your high capacity volunteers start to understand and start to be able to answer this question. So Brian, let's, let's just kick it off with the five questions that a healthy church can answer. We're going to do one today. In the next four weeks, we're going to answer all four. But today's question, Brian, is who are we? Yeah. What does that look like? When someone walks up and goes, who are we as a church? Okay, Brian. The the reality of trying to figure out who you are is such a, a vital part of the church. It is so foundational. Now, um, like my church, we have this uh, mission statement, and the mission statement is actually like a le- part of a legal document we had to turn in. Mm-hmm. And I believe it is like three or four sentences long about you know we are a restoration movement church founded upon, and it's all of this stuff, and it's all good. I mean, it's not like anything there's not true. But it's not really like the core of, of who you are, because mm-hmm. who you are, this core truth about what your church is, will then dictate and, and launch every other component that you do. It will help speak into every decision that you make. It yep. will help you be able to say yes and no. It'll help you be able to find the right leaders, the right volunteers, the right staff, because sometimes uh, you'll find a staff who may be a, an amazing person, but but they're who they are might work in opposition to or begin to compete with who the church is. I mean, this is kind of where um, one of the phrases we talk about is, is understanding what your identity is. And the identity is mm-hmm. kind of this combination of all of these things about you that all come together to say, this is this is who you are. And really drilling it down to the core. So, I mean, like we've talked before, right? A part of who we are is, you know, we're Christians. We're we're in America, right? I'm I'm in Wisconsin. You're in Kentucky. We each have kids. Right. We've each been involved with being foster parents. Uh, we've mm-hmm. we're adoptive parents. We have these different components. But but one of the things that churches um, need to be able to do for the benefit of them, their staff, the key leaders, and the church as a whole for its health mm-hmm. is really be able to 
continue to condense and condense and condense who you are. So mm -hmm. I, I want to help walk you through a process to get to that answer, because what happens and what I've seen in a lot of churches is they go, oh, I know who we are. And they try to answer this question really, really fast. Mm -hmm. um, you and I were talking uh, before we started recording about the idea of goals. And a lot of times right. people are like, all right, we're going to create this one year goal. Boom, done. And then they wonder why their goals never actually move them forward. And it's because there's no sense of like longevity and time truly spent right. into building these sort of things that might take two and three and four years. The thing with your identity is when you're dealing with identity, especially the question of who are we, the who are we never changes. Mm -hmm. It is so foundational to your church that everything else might shift around that, mm -hmm. but that part doesn't change. You might change how you do your music. You might change the way you teach. You might right. change who you're gifted at reaching. You might right. change every program, every building, but the core of who you are doesn't change. So let me give you a, an exercise to go through. Begin to write down everything that your church does. You take you basically taking like a, an inventory of behavior. Um, last month, I had a chance to sit in on thirteen different worship services. Um, it just I took a my, my church gave me a sabbatical, and that's one of the things I did is I sat in on thirteen different worship services, and I would take these notes. Now. Anybody who's been in ministry knows that what happens quite often is when you're sitting in on a, at a at a church, you start tearing apart. Well, I wouldn't do it like that, and I wouldn't do it like that. <laughs> right? It's so, like, so hard to take that minister hat off. Oh my goodness! Right. Did I ever did I ever tell you the story that I, I that I almost fired a guy? You know, when I was sitting in the pulp, I was sitting in the uh, the seats. Like I I almost walked on no. stage and fired the worship minister. You you got to go. It, it was, no. it was that, it was that, oh yeah, I, we, we were, we were sitting, we were sitting in a church, Heather and I were, <clears throat> and it was in our uh, time when we were here and uh, moved to Louisville and as our fluctuating, I'm trying to, you know, trying to listen to God, where do you, where do you want us to plant roots and to, and to, you know, latch onto a church to serve and, 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 all, and all that. And, and, and I remember, I remember just sitting there and just being so angry. And not just the minute I walked in, but the yeah. minute I walked into the worship, I just so angry. Either whatever took place, um, I, I, I literally we were all standing. It wasn't service wasn't going on yet, but it it it, it was. I just made me so angry with 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 the person leading leading worship. It was the paid staff that I I literally turned to walk out of the aisle. Like I was I was going to the middle aisle, and my wife grabbed my arm. And, and and I was talking with her about things that are going on up here and and going yeah. on in here and why I'm upset because she could visibly say I'm I'm, up, I'm upset. She's like, "What are you doing? I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to go fire them." She looked at me and goes, "You realize you're not on staff here." <laughs> and I and it it was an amazing like yeah. fog dude kind of went up and I went, "Oh, I'm not. Oh, um, okay. In that case, I'm firing us from being here. We got to go." Yeah. It was, and, it and was I've bad. done that. I've walked out of I've walked out of a church mid service. But for the the last few last month, what I did is I walked in and went the other direction on it. I just said, "What do they do?" No judgment calls about it. What are they doing? What's interesting? They like I walked into one church and they had like a full band and this amazing bass player, but they mm -hmm. also had a tuba player on stage. Hmm. Um, right, and so I would just anything that stood out to me, I just write down tuba player on stage. 
right? As part of the band. You really didn't hear him much, but he was there. Mm -hmm. um, that um, one church I went into um, did the entire service. It was purely a, a, like, even though people were live in the building, the entire service was video-based. Um, mm. And not a live video-based, right? It was just, right. so that was a, an intriguing decision, right? And I would just write down some of these different things that took place. One church I went into did a, like, had eight to 10 minutes of announcements at the very beginning of their service. Like, seriously, eight to 10 minutes. Um, not during a countdown. Very, very beginning. Like someone stood on stage and spoke for eight to yes. 10 minutes. Oh. For eight to 10 minutes after the service, it's like, after like, hey, if we're going to start at nine, this was at nine, they started that route, right? Mm -hmm. Now, can I make a judgment call about that? Of course I can. Would that yeah. happen at my church? No, but that's not the point. Right. I just wanted to write down what they did. Well, here's what that did for me mentally is then the first week when I was back at my church, started writing down what we do mm -hmm. as not in a judgment call way, but to go, okay, you know, a discovery this person phase. was on stage. We chose mm -hmm. this instrumentation. These were the songs we did. This was the um, the order of how the service was put together. This was the the length of the message, the type of message, the point mm -hmm. of. And I just started writing all these things down, right? But I also do it with our kids programming, our student activities, um, our teen stuff, doing it with the way our life groups are structured. I just started writing down all of the the things we see, and here's the challenge of it. Here's what. Here's the, what I would recommend you do mm -hmm. is this is not something that a minister figures out by himself. If you're a minister listening to this and you're, and we talk about, you know, you need to know who you are. This is not something you do by yourself. I may know right. who I am individually, but who I am individually may not be who my church is. That's a separate issue to have to resolve. Exactly. I need to know who my church is, which means one of the healthiest things you can do is, if you got to get to this conclusion, is put together a some key high-level thinkers who are committed to your church and put them together in a room and say, here's all the things we do. And you want to get to, there's an old business practice called the five whys. And I know people mm -hmm. get a little bit leery when you start talking about business practices, but check this one out. It's so valuable. The five whys is where you look at something and you go, hey, we had eight minutes of announcements or the tuba one was really interesting to me. We have a tuba mm -hmm. player on stage um, with our band. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, because, because that guy, that guy played tuba. Yeah. But, but why? Oh, um, because he, he, he plays the instrument and really wanted to be able to use that instrument in worship. Okay. But still, why did you do it? Right. I, I'm not letting somebody come in and play the harpsichord. Why? Right. Um, and as you start driving in deeper and deeper, about the time you get to the fifth why, that's why it's called the five whys, just keep asking that why, variations mm -hmm. of why. By the time you get to the fifth why, you realize we're a church that wants to show everybody that their gifts, their skills, their passions can be used for the sake of the kingdom. And yep. if this man plays tuba and he's available to play tuba, then great. Then we let him play tuba. Ooh, now we understand something about ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're a church where everybody's allowed to play the game. Um, where we're more concerned for the participation of our mm -hmm. people than we are with the uh, uh, presentation of what we do. Cool. That's a good why. We have something, we know something about ourselves, right? And we can ask those five whys and just kind of keep going, but why, but why, but why? Um, why do your announcements take place where they do? 
One church I saw, they got up at the end of the service and they went, hey, if you want to know what's going on with our teens, if you want to know what's going on with our kids and you want to know what's going on with our, and they mentioned something else, you can find out everything you need to know at, and they named a website and it's not mm -hmm. the church's website. Hmm. It's, it's not, it wouldn't be like, you know, our church website, uh, uh, you know, KenoshaFCC.com. It wouldn't be that. It would be like saying at KenoshaFCC forward slash or, or dot news. Yeah, right. It'd be, it'd, be a, it'd be a different landing page on on your own domain. Right. Now, but but why would they do that? Well, you start to drive to the fact, well, they got too many announcements. It's too big of a church. They can't get them all in. Yeah, so what? But why do it this way? Oh, well, because it gives us a place to compile everything. Yeah, but why? Well, mm -hmm. our church is pretty young and technically oriented, so they're going to be more inclined to do that. Yeah, but why? Actually, they can sign up and pay for everything right there, which makes it easier for them. Yeah, but why? Oh, because we want to streamline every process. Mm -hmm. Oh, good information. We yep. know a why now. Getting to these five whys on a multitude of these different things that you do without judgment mm -hmm. will help you begin to learn some things about you as a church. Mm -hmm. right. Our church, I'm not saying you use this, I'm saying our church. Our church has come to the conclusion that who we are is we are a place for every one. And those are two separate words. We're not a place for everyone. We're not. But we are a place for every one, every mm -hmm. individual matters in, mm -hmm. in who we are, but we know that we're not going to be for everyone. Mm -hmm. But there are ones out there that we're well suited for. Um, mm -hmm. The way that we would word that in our world is to say that there are 150,000 people within 20 minutes of our building who have no relationship with Jesus or his church. Mm -hmm. We can't reach all 150,000, but we can reach one of those. And so that's yep. a key component for us is so when we start looking at things, right? This place for everyone, it allows us to then look back at what we do and go, does that help us reach one of those 150,000? And we'll deal with some of the clarity on the target stuff later on, because there's some other yep. things that go with that. But knowing right. place for everyone. So everything for us comes back to this one idea, the idea right. of saying, hey, how do we help the one move forward in their relationship with Jesus? Everything else we will do be based off of that. Yep. Um, and that all begins to play out along with a lot of other components, but all that begins to play out. Asking these questions early on and getting the right people in the room to ask these five mm -hmm. whys for everything you do without judgment. Yep. Now, I will warn you. This I'll is warn a, you. <laughs> some, it can be risky. Yeah. I'm already, I'm already, I'm already seeing some of my pastor friends going, uh, no, mm. no chance. You're gonna you're Brian, gonna tip some sacred cows for sure. Oh yeah. This this is why you as the pastor don't want to be the guy doing this. Yeah. Partly because this should last a whole lot longer than you. Yes. This isn't yes. about you. Yes. I know who I am, right? And fortunately, for the most part, my church and I align very well. Partly because I've yeah. been here for 18 years. Um They've taken on parts of my personality, but mm -hmm. if they brought in somebody else, it would be a challenge because this is who we are. But, but also my church has been around for, it will be a hundred years old next year. Who yeah. I am also speaks to a lot of the foundational truths of who this church has been for a hundred years. Yeah. That's why we partner well together in that context. Um, but but for us, that, that's a big part of it. But you will end up tipping some sacred cows. But if you get the right people in the room. True. But Brian, then, you mentioned. Then you're not tipping anything. 
But Brian, you mentioned you you mentioned something. You you mentioned a phrase. That's why you aren't the one asking the questions the, as the mm-hmm. the lead the lead minister. So in, in essence, you if I hear you correctly, you're you're asking the lead minister with whoever else is in the room, the elders, other staff, high capacity leaders, and volunteers of the church. You're asking them to take a participant seat, not not the one leading the discussion, not the they one are, leading yeah. the de- the de- the defining of who we are. You're asking them to sit with everyone else to be a part of a yeah. part of the panel, part of the crowd. This is a pretty good rule of thumb in general, by the way, if you really want to make change and transition within your church as lead minister. Um, but I also would say that if you lead, if you lead the mission team or the compassion right. team, I think the same thing, if you're truly going to lead, then it's hard to lead and administrate. Um, mm-hmm. I heard a guy say here recently, I can be their minister or I can be their boss, but I can't be both. Exactly. And so, um, you know, JR and I, you were talking, you and I were talking to someone not too long ago, and they're wanting to really lead some change in their church. And they want the guidance as to how to stand in front of the church and do it. And our guidance is don't stand in front of the church, bring in somebody else, right? Bring in JR to be able to speak and lead these things. So you as minister can sit right next to, and you can walk alongside and go, that's a really good idea. We should maybe do that. Um, Yeah. And you get to be with them on this journey rather than mm-hmm. dragging them or pushing them or standing as a voice out in the wilderness screaming at them. Yeah, you want to yeah, be let in us, that room and point these things put, out. Let us put the spotlight on the sacred, sacred, sacred cow. We don't yeah. know they're sacred cows. We don't. We don't have to look at your congregation on Monday morning when they're waiting for you in the church parking lot as you as you pull in. Like yeah. I mean, I don't have to look at your email on Sunday afternoon of the three scathing reviews of why you would say that or use that Bible reference or why you address that way or or why would this other staff be doing this? I, we don't get it. I, I don't specifically. Yeah. I don't get it. Now Brian still gets it. He's on staff, but I well, don't. I don't get it. But my so, directness can be kind of heavy. Like I know in times <laughs> I've gone to churches with my directness, say clarity is a gift I bring, and I can come in and be pretty abrasive. But I'll tell the minister, here's what's really great about this. I can be yeah. really abrasive in this setting, and you can sit there and say to them, "Oh, I can't believe you said that." You can go, "You are so right. That was so harsh." But he made a point. Exactly. Uh, and you can actually be the one who engages the conversation. I don't have to be able to do that. And and I think that's why it's so important to maybe bring in another voice in this one. The one last thought I'll give you here in this five seconds is know that this will take six months to a year to do well. If you created it fast, it probably didn't create it good. Um, it's not going to be something that really is built to last. To build something that lasts, got to be made out of good material. And for that yep. to occur, bringing in somebody else and taking six months to a year purely to work on some of this stuff so you can keep trying yep. it out and trying it out until you get to something that when you say it, you feel it. Yep. Because when you know who your identity is, when you say it, you're going to go, oh, yes, mm-hmm. that's me. That's yeah. and, us. That's what we And this do. isn't something that, 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 this isn't something that you and I have just, you know, decided to create and to teach and throw out. This is something we've lived out. This is something that yeah. we have given to churches, got the ba- got the data to come back, perfected to go, yeah, this is absolutely essential and necessary for churches to walk through. And we want you to be able to have that because, because Brian, I'll end with this. I have so many conversations with ministers, especially post-COVID lockdown of just mm-hmm. how much of a powder keg some of the some of the ministers are in, in the church. And, and I, I constantly run into this roadblock of, well, it's just the way it is. This is, 
this is kind of the way it is. Our identity, well, I mean, the 200 year old church. I mean, it's, it is, it is what it is. This is the way it is. I, and I ran across this quote by Carl Jung. He's a, uh, he's a, a famous um, psychiatrist. And uh, matter of fact, his, uh, his field of study was, uh, um, I just lost it. A, a, applied. I'd lost it because it was psychology. so, yeah. Applied psychology, something like that. It was so deep. I had to, I, I, I Googled, uh, Carl Jung's teachings explained like a five-year-old. <laughs> it was so like, even then I was like, I like, nope, don't even understand it. Not at all. He's smart. Um, what I do know is, is that he had a project with Sigmund Freud for quite some, quite some time. And then, then when they split and his was to directly go against uh, Freud's teachings. So I, I, anyway, but this quote stood out. He goes, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. So pastor, you are not, the identity of your church is not what we've done forever. It is not, well, that's just the way it is. It is not, well, we've got these two, you know, stakeholder families that kind of dictate what we do. No, it's not. It's, it's not. It can be if you want it to be. Brian, and I, I know you and I had a if it's similar conversation. Yeah. Yes. You and I had a, had a conversation with um, a friend's son years and years and years and years ago. Um, after he had a, just a devastating motorcycle accident. And, and, and I know the phrase that, that you kind of uttered is, you have a choice. Your identity could be the kid that lived through this motorcycle accident, or your identity could be something greater. You, you get to choose, right? So it's not what happened to me. It's not the setting that God put you in, um, in that church that's unhealthy. It's not the custodian that's hijacked everything. It's not the staff that led a coup. Your identity is not the church that keeps splitting and making other church plants in town. You, you, you aren't, that's not your identity unless you want it to be. Unless that's actually out of those five whys, that's usually the third, right? That's why you got to go to five. The third why is, well, because this big family said this we happened. were going to do it. Yeah, but that this family is what they had said. a reason to do that. What right. was the reason? What was behind it? Oh, because they really cling to heritage. Ooh, ooh, tradition. Right. Cool, cool. Okay, that's a reason for it. Now you, you've actually got to another why. And I can go, but why so much in tradition and heritage? There's something about that. There's an emotion at the depth of the fifth why. That's more than mm -hmm. a logic decision. It's an emotional decision, but that's the core of who you are right. because it's that emotional moment where you go, oh, that's a, that. Yes, that's me. And if you can get that, then you can help use that to propel you into the future because the same thing that made them made those decisions then can yep. be the thing that you mm -hmm. remind them they are to tell them who they're going to be in the future. Yep. That's why so that if you, is so key. So if you are, if you're that pastor and you think that, hey, I, I, there's no way we can change our identity or there's no way we can even find it out. If you think it's one thing and the church says it's another thing, we'd love to help. Like we want to be the people that come in and to be able to help you answer those questions. Let's, we want to help you sit in the crowd and to be a participant uh, mm -hmm. so that you're not the one uh, that's going to get the flaming arrow shot at them. But all of this is because we want you to be healthy. These are the marks of a healthy church coming out of post-COVID lockdown, when we've looked at churches to say of, of the churches that are still meeting, right? The 2022 numbers that just come out from the unstuck group says that the, that the average con congregation is down 30% of the churches that have bucked those numbers and are grew through that. We looked and these are the, these are the questions that come out. They knew what they were doing and it didn't matter 
if they had to disciple their their uh, their people through a lens for three to six months when lockdowns were taking place, they knew who they were and they continued to push forward with that identity because it was solid and it was healthy. And we want to make sure you get to a place of church health so that you don't have to sit back and go, well, it is what it is. This is just the way it's going to be. That's not a healthy place. And that's pretty boring to be there. So if you want more information about what you've just heard, we'd love for you to check us out online, ceasethestreets.com. You can see what is going on there and to see everything that is happening. Um, there's also a free resource if you sign up for our email uh, campaign and you sign up so we can send you our emails about what's going on with Seats the Streets and job opportunities that we help churches place and and some of the other learning opportunities and cohorts that that, that we offer. All of that comes out through our email email blasts. We'd love for you to sign up for that as a free resource for your missions team uh, that you would be able to download um, what it is to have high impact church missions. It's free. We, we give it to you and even give you the ability uh, to actually answer 20 questions and give the same 20 questions to your missions team so that they can understand what it looks like to be a high impact missions team. So Brian, until next time, friend, see you on the flip side. Later.